And oh yeah, tomorrow's <laughs> tomorrow's New Year's Eve. <laughs> do we want to do the last show of 2020 and then bring it into 2021? No, we do not. No, we don't. We don't bring exactly. anything from this garbage year into 2021. Preach. Welcome back to the Girl at the Game podcast, the sports podcast by women for everyone in partnership with CLNS Media. As always, we are your hosts, Gabrielle, founder of Girl at the Game, and Al, sports writer extraordinaire at Nesson. And it is the last show, mercifully, of the worst year in the history of years, 2020. It's your year in review, Girl at the Game episode. And I'm so glad it's the last episode of this garbage year. Al, how do you feel? I feel really happy that you're bringing the energy right now because I have none of it. This year has taken everything I have. Most recently, Zidane Chara. we're going to get into that. But oh my God, thank God we're almost done here. Truly, I don't know where that energy came from. Probably the fact that I had M&Ms for breakfast at 4.30 p.m. So I'm just like riding that <laughs> sugar high because like you said, I have no energy left. I mean, 2020 has sapped me of my will to live. Like I wear sweatpants every day. You and I have seen each other twice in the last 10 plus months. I don't even have a working webcam. So when we do these podcasts, like I can see you, but you can't even see me. It is just generally a terrible, awful, no good, very bad year, as that lovely children's book once said. And from the (laughs) get-go, like Mm. I'm thinking back, it all started with Kobe Bryant in January. And then it just kept getting worse and worse. I'm going to apologize ahead of time, too, for our listeners that aren't Boston sports fans. Obviously, you and I both cover the Boston sports market, and there's just been so much change here that we just have to rant about it for a second. Yeah. And you know what? I will I will say right off the bat, pun intended, that I know, like I am cognizant as you are, that Boston sports fans have had more to celebrate in the last two decades than almost any other franchise, like maybe the exception being the New York Yankees or some hockey team that I don't follow. But that doesn't change the fact that when you are a sports fan, you are unwittingly strapping yourself into the car along for the ride, but you are not the driver. And so when your team drives off a cliff unexpectedly, you have no control over the matter. Like Red Sox fans, Patriots fans, Bruins fans, They have no control over what their teams do. And I feel like a lot of people on social media love to kind of chirp at fans being like, oh, my God, your team's so freaking stupid. And it's like, well, cool. But like we had nothing to do with these money saving, money grubbing moves that are being made. Most of us, if you're a fan of a sports team, you've been a fan for your entire life. Like, I don't remember becoming a Red Sox fan. I've just always been a Red Sox fan. So I can't just like stop being a Red Sox fan, sometimes I really wish I could. Like a friend of ours today asked me, what would you do with all your spare time if you weren't a sports fan? And I was like, well, for starters, I'd have a completely different job. But also I would have a lot more free time. I'd probably be really good at knitting or I'd know how to like build a car from scratch because I don't know. I, you know, (laughs) but like, 
think about how much time and energy being a sports fan takes up in your life, you know, compounded over the years. So, you know, rough year for Boston sports fans doesn't change the amazing trophies, not saying we're ungrateful, but at the same time, like the wins and the losses, none of it's up to us. So if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. But either way, like we're just here, you know, we're along for the ride. Yeah. So the losses. Let's let's talk about what 2020 has taken away from Boston. I like it's we so sold my sanity. We sold our soul seriously for all those championships. But so it really starts. I mean, it obviously starts with Kobe Bryant. He's not ours personally, but he was our rival that we loved to hate. So Kobe, R.I.P. And I mean, you could say like it affects Boston sports fans too, because many of them probably root for UConn basketball, at least the ones like me and that grew up in Western Mass do. So, you know, Gigi Bryant was going to be a UConn Husky. I mean, that loss is just immeasurable. And we've gone over that time and time again, all throughout the course of the year. Then we have Mookie and David Price get traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers. In March, March 17th, to be precise, Tom Brady announces he's leaving to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And with him, Rob Gronkowski springing up out of retirement. In the NHL, Tory Krug and Zdeno Chara leave. This Zdeno Chara goodbye Instagram post is probably the most depressing thing I've ever read in my life because you just know how badly he loved it here, how badly he wanted to retire here. He was supposed to retire a Bruin and basically... The organization told him, yeah, we're going to go with our young guys. So uh, good riddance. What? Zidane Chara? I hate that. I hate that. Oh. Like, he's not only, like, a franchise player. I know he came from other teams. But, like, is anyone going to remember him for being, what, like, an Islanders guy in the 90s? No. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he, he's a Bruin. I mean, think about, like, all the times we were worried David Ortiz was going to leave the Red Sox because they would, you know, haggle with him as, oh, in free agency, and he just kept taking pay cuts because he wanted to stay here. But, like, in this case, Chara wasn't even given the option. Yeah. Like, he said he wanted to stay here, and they were like, well, we don't want you. And it's like, it took really? team deal after team deal every year. I mean, obviously, he was getting older and could be a liability out there sometimes. But, I mean, it's it's Dana fucking Chara. Ah. Whatever. That's this is so fresh in my mind that I just I want to cry. And this is only coming a few days after like the Patriots miss the playoffs. Like they're done. When is the last time that happened? Once in our lifetime. Like and then of course Red Sox last place finish. Zero new championships over here. I mean, I know you saw my tweet, but seriously, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown must be protected at all costs now. Okay, I have to just say this right now, because first of all, Abby Chin just said that Brad Stevens just told her that Tatum sprained his left thumb in the first quarter last night, finished the game and feels good enough to go tonight and won't be on a minutes restriction, which is absolutely hilarious and like such a freaking Jason Tatum thing to do to just be like, I mean, that's like Dustin Pedroia in 2013 when he got injured in his hand on the first day of opening opening day 2013. And then like the day after they win the World Series, they announced that he's finally undergoing surgery for the injury that he sustained on opening day that he just like played with the entire season. So amazing, Jason Tatum. But if the Boston Celtics choose James Harden over Jalen Brown, I will lose my shit. And here's why. Yes, get into it. (laughs) I do not need this diva-ass energy that James Harden is bringing to the NBA He sets a bad example for teammates. He sets a bad example for rookies. He sets a bad example for children. 
Like, dude, I don't care what you do in your personal time, not during COVID, but like you're going to strip clubs without a mask. And then like you have the nerve to show up late to practice and skip practice. And like, I get it. He's like a superstar and the Rockets gave him like a very long leash. But you know what? Boston does not need that. They don't need that. I know you're a Kyrie apologist and you love him, but we just had a year. I know that the 2020 Celtics season did not end the way we were hoping to, you know, but they made it to the playoffs and they had some of the best like team chemistry I've ever seen from a sports team, like just such a lovable group of guys. And you could tell that they enjoyed playing with each other and they just worked so well together. And I I don't really consider the 2020 season, 2019, 2020 season a loss for them because they were just so great. James Harden's chemistry is going to throw that whole scientific concoction out of whack. You don't need that energy here. We've seen divas come to Boston before and you know what happens They mess with the team chemistry and then they get chewed up and spit out and nothing good ever comes from it. Yeah. And I mean, my thing is, I mean, when you're going to bring in a a player of his caliber, normally like, yeah, you should be all for it. But I mean, for me, like James Harden is just not a winner. He's played with Chris Paul. He's played with Kevin Durant. He played with Russell Westbrook. How much more do we need to see from him getting almost to the pinnacle, but not executing. You know what I mean? And what makes people think that it's going to change if Jason Tatum is all of a sudden his co-star? And like, if the Rockets' hand is being twisted into trading him, it's not going to be for nothing. They're going to demand Jalen Brown, probably Marcus Smart at minimum, if not also like a Robert or Grant Williams and a stack of draft picks. So Tatum and Harden and Harden's on the decline while Brown and Smart are so young and yeah I mean but then there's also the question of okay if we don't want Harden in Boston what happens if he does end up in Miami what happens if he does end up with Philly you know because then then we still have a problem I mean yeah but you know what I really I would rather have that problem than having the problem of him like on this team I just need Houston to hold out on him and just keep him in timeout in Houston all season I don't think that's the way it's going to end but I'd love it. I just like I was talking to, you know, our mutual friend, Jason Master Donato about this when he recorded with me for Locked on Red Sox yesterday. And we were just talking about the kind of things that you can't measure, the metrics that you can't measure for a player, because we're talking about Brock Holt and um, Jose Peraza and just like the whole thing where they had virtually identical stats. They commanded virtually identical contracts. And the difference was one of them was a little bit younger and had years of club control. And so Chaim Bloom was straight up asked why he didn't just keep Brock Holt if they're pretty much the same. He kind of tried to posture and like bullshit a little bit and say that they saw things in Praza. Look how it ended up. Praza was terrible. And he's like, done. He's not here. He's not going to be part of this team going forward. So you got rid of a guy who was Jimmy Fun captain for five years, beloved member of the team, could play every single position, an amazing, amazing part of the club chemistry for no reason other than club control. And that goes back to the Harden versus Brown thing. Like Brown and Tatum are such a great duo. Jalen Brown is such a special guy on and off the court. He brings more to the table than just the fact that I think he has a really bright future. You know, he's smart. He's thoughtful. He's really, really brilliant. You know, he's like a guy where I would literally vote for him for president. Like (laughs) I would love Jalen Brown to just be one of the main faces of this organization for like the next 10 years. Well, on the contrary, 
I mean, do you remember when that that Reddit user came out with that report of how James Harden plays in cities with like the best or most notable strip clubs and he never plays well? Boston certainly is not known for having good strip clubs, so maybe he'd really thrive here. I have been to one strip club in Boston in my life. I was dragged there by some friends of a friend and it was the most depressing thing that I've ever seen. It was like the saddest looking strippers. And like one of the guys was like, hey, it'd be really funny if we got like the girls a lap dance from these strippers. And I was like, these are, they're not touching me. Like, do not put me anywhere near. Like I, it was so gross. But anyway, we don't need to talk too much about it, but I just. strip clubs? (laughs) No, about James. I got a story for you. (laughs) Oh God. I mean, I have a story for you too, but it is not appropriate for this Really quick. My only time I've ever been to a strip club, um, my, I was with my girlfriends from high school around the bonfire. We're in sweats. I think I'm wearing Crocs. And my friend, uh, my best friend Alexis and roommate at the time, and I just had mentioned that we'd never been to a strip club. So then, of course, it was like, we have to go right now. That's what we're doing tonight. And we're like, oh, okay. And um, as some of our listeners may know, I'm from Western Mass. So we went to beautiful downtown Springfield strip clubs. Show up to the door <laughs> of this one show up to this one particular establishment on Worthington street and show up at the door. We're like five cute girls. And they try to tell us it's a $20 cover. And we're like, what the hell? Like, I get it. We're in sweatpants and stuff. And def- certainly Probably not. Because they have up. naked ladies inside. But we're, I don't care really how cute, cute you are. I'm like, what do you mean a cover? $20? Like who's in there? And they go, it's stormy Daniel's night. And I say, Oh, okay, <laughs> here, take my money. Take all of my money. <laughs> Just a reminder, if people have gotten it lost in the um, many crimes and misdemeanors of soon-to-be former President Donald J. Trump, Stormy Daniels is the porn star he slept with when his wife had recently given birth. Yeah, so it was like her book tour was just the strip clubs of America. <laughs> she somehow ended up in downtown Springfield. All right, we got to move on. I oh couldn't believe my eyes. Wow. All right. Well, this is a, this is a first for Girl at the Game. We made it something like 20 episodes without talking about strip clubs, but here we are. Um, okay, so yeah, that's just like my my one thing that I'm clinging to is like, please don't trade Jalen Brown for James Harden. Like, I'm begging you, please. Like, I Boston fans have been through enough this year. Like, haven't we <laughs> haven't we lost enough? I know there are teams yeah. that haven't won a World Series since 1948. Shout out Cleveland, but please. <sighs> Please don't take Jalen Brown away from us and replace him with James Harden. Anyway, um, let's talk about Bet Online. We can do that. Yeah, <laughs> rather talk about Bet Online. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to bet against the uh, Celtics James Harden thing because I am terrified. But we have college football heading into bowl season, and even though the Patriots are not in the playoffs this year, the NFL season is heading towards the playoffs and there's only one place that has you covered one place that we trust here at girl at the game and that is betonline.ag and when you sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code clns50 you get a 50 percent off welcome bonus my friends do not sit on the sidelines anymore get in on the action don't forget to use that promo code clns50 to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Can we just for a second? I know I love to make everything about baseball, but like we just, I'm sorry, we have to talk about it because 
the Red Sox haven't done shit, but the Padres, the San Diego Padres. We have no outline for this episode. This is off the cuff. No, we had yes, the Padres. Do you want to move to San Diego with me? Honestly, we have talked. Mike and I have talked about San Diego, about living in San Diego. My best friend Maya lives in San Diego. I love Petco Park. Do you want to hear a random San Diego story? By the way, Um, yes, one time stories today. Yeah, it's not a strip club story, but it's actually pretty close, like similar, like Venn diagram, you know, moment here. So I was in LA scoping out apartments in summer 2017 before I moved there in fall 2017. And friends of a friend were like, hey, like we're going down to San Diego for the weekend. We rented this massive beach house. You guys should come. And I was like, well, I'm in California for a long weekend. Like, yeah, I'll go down to San Diego for the night. They were like jewelers in like the downtown LA jewelry district and one of their clients like you know how like luxury jewelers who make custom pieces they have celebrity clients so oh, yeah I saw re- that Adam Sandler movie with Kevin Garnett <laughs> okay right so it's it's pretty much just it's like on Jones, except instead of Kevin Garnett their client is Post Malone okay and he was just starting to get like re- like he was already famous but he was like starting to get like really really famous and he was doing a show in San Diego And they were going to go down, they were going to like go to the concert, they were going to be backstage with posts, they were going to party. And they were like, do you guys want to come? So my friend Sarah and I were like, yeah, sure, we'll come. Free weekend in San Diego, get a luxury rental beach house on the boardwalk right there. So we go and we go to the concert and we're like partying in the green room. And Post Malone's super, super nice. He like comes over and like hangs out with us. And then the club finally is like, you know, we're closing down for the night. And it was so crazy because he showed up at like 11 p.m. He performed for like 30 minutes and they paid him (laughs) $40,000. He did like seven songs maybe. And uh, (laughs) so our jeweler friends were like, hey, well, like post, like we have this huge mansion on the beach that we rented for the weekend. Like we can continue the after party there. So they did. And I was like, honestly, really tired. And my flight was the next day where I was going to have to drive back to LA from San Diego and then fly back to Boston. So at a certain point, I went to bed and I wake up the next morning and it's like a scene from The Hangover. There are literally people like passed out on the floor. And I go out onto the upper roof deck of this mansion. And at some point during the night, people who'd been there with Post had filled the hot tub with beer. (laughs) And that was like my first time in San Diego. (laughs) So yeah, I love San Diego. San Diego is amazing. Back when I was like young and partying. Um, I was down there for spring break, my senior year of college, visiting a buddy that went to San Diego State and the World Baseball Classic was going on. So it was just my experience in San Diego was so amazing. And yeah, I might adopt them as my new NL team and just go fly out there and hang for a little while. San Diego Padres, we have to talk Padres, Rays, and Cubs, because that's like the the trifecta of baseball madness this week. First of all, Padres. Um, I was like low on them this fall after they declined Mitch Moreland's option, because like, you know me, big Mitch Moreland fan. But now I'm like, this team is going to be so fun to watch. Their rotation is going to be so filthy. And like Mike Clevenger's not even pitching in 2021. I feel like still in the running to land Trevor Bauer. Why do I feel like that's going to happen? We need to maybe talk yeah. to Rachel Luba about that. But front of I the actually program. texted with her last night. So yeah, we have to talk. We'll talk about the Trevor Bauer sweepstakes. But yeah, Padres got in a 24 hour period. They got 2018 American League Cy Young Blake Snell. They got Ha Sung Kim from the Korean Baseball Organization. 
And then they get you Darvish and Victor Caratini from the Cubs. They've made more blockbuster moves in 24 hours between Sunday night and Monday night than like the rest of Major League Baseball combined. Also, can we just talk about why do the Rays love getting rid of like their really good pitchers? Here's my question in response, because I'm going to answer your question with another question. At what point do you actually start trying to win championships instead of trying to stockpile prospects. Cause I understand, you know, coming from two people who cover a baseball team that is currently ranked 25th in farm systems. I would love it if the Red Sox had a good farm system because they don't. But the reason that they don't have a good farm system is because Dave Dombrowski depleted the farm system in order to get them guys who then won them a world series, which is like the whole point of baseball. And you have a team that just made it to game six of the world series and then decided to trade away their Cy Young pitcher for like no apparent reason in exchange for more prospects. And it's like, you don't get a trophy for having the most prospects or the best prospects. Like that's not why you play baseball. So like, why do they want to do this? It makes absolutely no sense. And honestly, not to like go too into a tangent, but this is low key why, like I did not want the Rays to be in the World Series because I wanted the players, like the players on the Rays, they deserve to be in the World Series. But as a franchise, based on how they run their franchise and their priorities of like not spending money and, you know, not having a good ballpark and having a terrible payroll and only caring about prospects more than they care about actual success at the major league level, like they set a bad example for baseball and them going to the World Series was a sign to teams like the Red Sox that you don't have to spend money in order to go to the World Series. And even though they didn't win the World Series, they went to game six of the World Series, which is further than I think most people thought that they were going to go. I thought that the Dodgers were going to blow them out of the water in the first four games, and they didn't. But they signal to fancy big market teams like the Red Sox and the Cubs that you can be moderately to pretty successful of getting that far into the World Series with like a $60 million payroll. And that is bad for baseball. Again, all my congratulations to the actual team of Rays players, but that franchise, the way that they practice is bad for baseball. Want to hear my hot take? Of course they want to hear your hot take. So yeah, like you said, why would the Rays want to get rid of a former Cy Young pitcher that helped them get to the World Series? My take is that Blake Snell was so ripped shit that Kevin Cash pulled him from the World Series game where he was throwing an absolute gem that he there's like too much bad blood between them now and he's so salty about it that he like pulled an NBA player and demanded a trade or something like do you do you think that there would be any merit to that like is that even okay I look you had the same hot take <laughs> I said the same thing I said I was I said that to Mike the other night I was like well that's honestly, a tough this pill to him from the awkwardness of having to play for Kevin Cash again like what was their first conversation after that day after that game where he got pulled and like that very mal- like who knows what would have happened if he stayed in the game but like who knows what would have happened if he stayed in the game I saw a tweet let me find it last night somebody quoted him scroll back through my 80 million tweets from today. Okay. So Andy McCullough last night tweeted, Blake Snell said he is looking forward to going a third time through the batting order with San Diego. He wants to try to finish games so he can quote, really challenge myself and see how good I really am. 
your hot take, which was also my kind of hot take earlier this week. I don't know if it's so much of a hot take as Blake's now pretty much confirming <laughs> when they introduced Cora to the media, Cora and, and Bloom were like bending over backwards to compliment Cash on like what a great manager he is. And you and I had Steve Buckley on the podcast talking about this and like he's known Kevin Cash for a long time too. It's like, yeah, Kevin Cash in a lot of ways is a really good manager, but that whole analytics driven, the computer takes priority over the manager's foresight and we do what the computer says no matter what. It's all bad for baseball. It's all bad for baseball. And shout out to Theo Epstein when he announced that he was leaving the Cubs, that he took ownership saying that he thinks that a lot of the innovations that he helped implement around Major League Baseball from an analytics standpoint have been bad for the game from a fan aspect, like detrimental to the actual core of baseball and the fans the that love it. Right. The product, exactly. Like, And good on him for like being so... Yeah self-aware of that and not only that but saying like my next job in baseball is going to like fix the issues I caused and grow the game and like grow new fan bases well you know what it can't come soon enough because we need Theo Epstein like as commissioner of baseball um (laughs) let's get back to the Padres because the Padres were already good enough to get to the postseason last year they had some really bad injuries coming down the stretch like Mike Clevenger and Then they just made these huge upgrades. Like they now have, I would venture to guess, a top five starting rotation in Major League Baseball. Yeah. And um, I really think they can go head to head with the Dodgers in their division. And the Dodgers have won their division, what, like eight years in a row now? Yeah. Well, that's my, that's it. You took the words out of my mouth. I think that they're going to be great. They're going to be so much fun to watch yet again because they were so exciting last year, right? But at the end of the day, they have to get through the Dodgers like not only in their division, but for the NL, for the pennant. And I don't know. I just don't see it happening. I think that this is great, but they still might be number two to the Dodgers, barring any injuries from Los Angeles, right? Or any unforeseen circumstances arising. I think 2022 could be the Padres year. If the Padres get a healthy Mike Clevenger back and they stay healthy through the rest of their rotation and Jace Tingler doesn't keep trying to get Fernando Tatis Jr. to not swing on three and nose when the bases are loaded. I think in 2022, they'll be a serious challenger. I think 2021 MLB, and we can talk about this in a second, but I think 2021 MLB is going to be still kind of a messed up year. I mean, for starters, it's highly doubtful that spring training is going to start on time and that the regular season is going to start on time. It's probably going to be another shortened season. I'm hearing 120 games instead of 162 games. They still want the expanded playoff format. Teams still haven't been informed if they're going to need a DH in the National League. Like it's a total mess. Still haven't, you know, figured out if there's going to be a minor league season, which will start to impact teams in the very near future if they just don't have minor leaguers who are moving up and improving and, you know, getting regular work in, it's going to start to impact teams very seriously. But I think 2022, if we're lucky, if everyone's vaccinated, if MLB gets its head out of its asses, 2022 will ideally look like a normal MLB season. Yeah. And then I I think that it'll be a really interesting division. It's going to be interesting next year anyway, because they got these two amazing pitchers, but it's going to be 2022 is going to be such a good year 
for the NL West, especially because now there's a rumor that the Dodgers are going to get Bauer and DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, a lot of good stuff to watch out for. But I mean, let's not jump ahead to 2022 too quickly. And let's maybe wrap up the show with some like bold predictions for the next coming year, 2021, officially put 2020 to rest. Let's manifest some stuff into existence. Okay. I'm manifesting the Red Sox having more than a one-man starting rotation. I am manifesting Jalen Brown earning his first all-star selection after getting snubbed last year. I'm manifesting the Yankees continuing to not win the World Series or even make it to the World Series. I am (laughs) manifesting all of the defensive players that opted out of this Patriots season coming back next year and returning the Patriots to former glory. Oh, God. I am manifesting Dustin Pedroia announcing his retirement on his own terms and becoming an amazing, amazing coach in the Red Sox organization and helping all of his teammates get better and being back with this team in a capacity that best suits him and the team. I am manifesting Luka Doncic winning the MVP. I'm manifesting a healthy Kemba Walker with knees of steel. Preach. I am manifesting returning to work at either the TD Garden, Fenway Park, or Gillette Stadium in the very near future, being physically there in the press box with coworkers and colleagues, covering actual games, and then occasionally going as a fan and hanging out with you and getting a Fenway Frank and a beer this summer. Oh man, I miss those $15 beers that I can't afford. I am manifesting you and me recording in the same podcast studio and being able to like hug each other and just like go do things together. I'm manifesting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar coming on this podcast. Yes. I'm manifesting you and me sitting next to each other in the Fenway press box. I am manifesting running into Khloe Kardashian in the bowels of TD Garden and having a real conversation with her. By the way, Tristan Thompson, I'm very much enjoying him on the Celtics. Me too. He was so great last night him out. the Pacers. Just a rebounding he's, machine. He's first in the NBA in offensive rebounds. Love that for him. That Love Twitter. that for the Celtics. That's what they, that was just, that was the best upgrade so far. Also, shout out, I'm I'm also manifesting that Peyton Pritchard will be the NBA Rookie of the Year. Oh my God, he's so much fun to watch. And they call him 8 Mile, and I think that's so great. I cracked up when I saw Jason Tatum's story, nicknaming him that. Also, I just have to say, today, December 30th, is both LeBron's birthday. I know. And also... Really? Yeah, Tiger Woods' birthday today, too. Okay. And Sandy Koufax. Oh, fun. So many sports birthdays today. I'm trying to remember. There was another birthday somewhat recently. It was like Vin Scully and somebody else share a birthday. And I was like, okay, so goats just have the same birthdays. In sports, there are so many like amazing players throughout history who share birthdays. And today is one of those days. Today is LeBron, Koufax, and Tiger Woods. Like, that's crazy. Hell yeah. Happy birthday, all of you. I know you're listening. Anyway, so guys, this is the last episode of Girl at the Game podcast for the worst year in the history of years. The worst year ever, but we started this podcast and we stuck with it. 
And that's one of my like little tiny blessings that came out of this shit, shit, shit year. 2020 was a year of many awful things, but it was also the year of this podcast. And 2021 is going to be a great year. Knock on wood, it can't get, I'm scared to say it, but it can't get much worse. But then again, I feel like we've said that every year for the last like six years on New Year's. We're like, well, this year can't be any much worse. And then then, like, you know, we'll see. But I just want to say like, thank you to the listeners and the audience we've been able to grow. Your messages mean so much to us. You guys seriously are the best. And thank you so much for being a huge bright spot in our years. I have to second that and also just thank everyone who's been supporting Girl at the Game from the beginning. We're going into year four of this company and it started with me just wanting a place to write about how much I love David Ortiz and missed him after he retired. And now it's like, you know, a bunch of writers and we have this podcast. It's just, I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for my amazing co-host. I'm grateful for all of you. And Yeah, just more gratitude in 2021. I'm grateful that this year is almost over. So thank you guys so much. Also grateful for your subscriptions, for your downloads, for your five-star ratings, sharing (laughs) and following on social media. Keep doing that. You can find us at Girl at the Game on Instagram and Twitter. Obviously, you can find this podcast wherever you found it listening right now or on iTunes, Spotify, all of it. We can't wait to bring you guys some really fun content and guests in the new year. Yes. And our first guest of the new year, I'll just spill it right now, is Catherine Veritek. What? Queen of Boston, amazing cook, wife of Red Sox, Captain Jason Veritek, a great Twitter follow, an amazing woman. Yeah, really excited to bring you guys some wags in 2021. I mean, they just have such a cool perspective, I think, that doesn't get covered as much. So I have like five wags who are going to come on. <laughs> Wag at the Game podcast. So guys, thank you so much. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at GFSTR1. You can follow Al at by Al Francisco. Girl at the Game is at Girl at the Game on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. And happy new year, wear your masks, and we will talk to you next year. Mwah. Uh-huh. Let's go get them, uh-huh. Hey, uh, show me what you got, little 